May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So I love the colic for the day today. I don't know, love might be the wrong word. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. So let me tell you about a 23-hour train ride with a 9- and 7-year-old. No. I'm not going to preach on that collet. I'm not going to preach about 23 hours in a long steel tube with two restless boys. But instead, I'm going to talk about one of the things we don't talk about too much in church. No, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not even talking about sex. There's something else we don't talk about too much in church. There's something else we don't talk about too much in life, in culture, in society. We're going to talk about death. We're going to talk about suffering. We're going to talk about pain. Yes, we acknowledge death when it happens. But for the most part, we don't talk about it with any real depth, with any real substance. And we certainly don't talk about it with any enthusiasm. And, and deaths aren't just physical death. They're spiritual death. There's emotional death. There's deaths of relationships. There's deaths of marriages. There's deaths of health, of hope. There's deaths of careers. So we're not just talking about death, death. But I don't think we talk about any of that in the church. We don't deal with it. We deny it. We ignore it. We avoid it. Because nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to be in pain. Nobody wants to die. We don't even want to think about suffering or pain or death. So for the most part, we just avoid the topic altogether. Because especially it's a hard thing to bring up in a culture that seems to want us to just be happy all the time, no matter what. And I suspect the Greeks who showed up to worship in today's gospel didn't really want to talk about death either. They probably didn't show up planning to talk about death or to hear about death. They just showed up to worship. They just wanted to see Jesus. And who can blame them? Jesus, up until this point, has a pretty great track record. He's cleansed the temple, he turned water into wine, he healed a little boy, he raised one of his best friends from the dead, he made the blind see, the lame walk, he fed a couple thousand people. Up to this point, Jesus had helped other people avoid pain and avoid suffering and avoid death. So I don't know why they wanted to see Jesus. We don't learn that in the gospel. But I know that desire. 
I think we all know that desire. We want to see Jesus. But I think too often we want to see Jesus on our own terms. Because sometimes encountering Jesus means encountering suffering, pain, and maybe even death. Because following Jesus means participating in Christ's life, but also in his death. And ultimately his resurrection, but we've got two more weeks before we can talk about that. But we will talk about that. In this reality of suffering and pain and death, this is what Jesus sets before these Greeks who just wanted to see Jesus. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it. Those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. So Reverend Beth talked about this book a couple weeks ago. So you might remember her sermon on this book. It's called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. Maybe you've read it. If you haven't, you really should. I started reading it this past week because I'm about to enter into my own Holy Week. Because tomorrow is the Feast of St. Joseph. And tomorrow is the one year anniversary of the last time my dad went to church. Tuesday is the one year anniversary of the last time I took my dad out of his house. For a trip to Home Depot, of course. (laughs) Wednesday is the one-year anniversary of the day I said goodbye to my dad. And Thursday marks one year since I got a call on the way home from church. The worst year of my life may be over, but the pain never ends. We all know these experiences. And so I've been reading this book, and I found it helpful. And in this book, Kate Bowler, she writes about her experience staring death in the face, her diagnosis of cancer with a husband and a young child, and what it was like to walk that path of diagnosis and treatment and recovery. But the interesting thing about this is Kate Bowler's perhaps the world's expert on the prosperity gospel. And so she writes about how her experience staring death in the face relates to what she knows about her subject of study. So the prosperity gospel is, it's that strain of Christianity that has the name it or claim it. The idea of faith healers. The idea of being blessed financially in return for our giving. And in this tradition, sickness and death are sometimes seen as the result of sin or God's punishment. 
And Kate talks about that in the book and how she reconciles what she hears from people and what she knows to be true. But what, what she finds is that we here, those of us who probably would never claim anything close to the prosperity gospel, we would never ascribe to anything like that. We're not much different. Because what she finds in the prosperity gospel is, is a sense of theodicy. A sense of people struggling to make sense of pain and suffering in this world. And we do the same thing. Because we say things like, God has a plan. We say things like, everything happens for a reason. We say things like, when God closes a door, he opens a window. We say things like, at least you had your dad for 37 years. Those things may all be true, in some sense. But you've all, we've all been on the receiving end of that sincere words. People are trying to be sincere. But Kate and I, and maybe you, just find them unhelpful. Because theodicy, this search for an, a reason why, it's a never-ending search. Because we won't find a reason why things happen. But I think what Jesus hints at, or starts to hint at, in our gospel reason today, can help us understand at least a little bit of suffering and death. Not why it happens, because Jesus doesn't get into that, really. But we know that when it happens, because it's always a when. We know that when it happens, we aren't alone. We know that Jesus understands our suffering because he suffered. And we know that somehow, some way, he is with us. God is with us. Because right after Jesus talked to the Greeks about death and about losing your life, what happened? The voice of God spoke. So in this moment when Jesus was trying to explain something about death and about suffering, Jesus wasn't alone. The Greeks weren't alone. God was there and God showed up. And we also know that Jesus continues with us. Jesus says in the gospel, where my servant is, or where I am, there my servant will be also. If we flip that a little bit, he's essentially saying where my servants are, where we are, Jesus will be there also. Because it goes both ways. If we are followers of Jesus, we follow Jesus. But if we are followers of Jesus, Jesus follows us into our pain and our suffering. And so I want to read a section from Kate's book that I think helps illustrate this point. So as she started to be more public about what she was struggling with, 
and going through, she started to receive letters from people around the country. Some were, were letters like we talked about, where people were saying, oh, this is happening because, or if only, you know, those unhelpful letters. But she also received some that, that were different. And so she writes this. She said, the letters that really speak to me don't talk about why we die. They talk about who was there. When you were afraid that the end had come, were you alone? A man writes to me about being taken hostage with his family and watching helplessly as intruders press guns against he and his family's head. But God was there and he can't explain it. He can't explain who loosened the ropes and let him escape with his family unharmed. He doesn't rationalize why some people are rescued and others not. And he doubts that there's a way that God redeems some situations and not others. But he knows God was there because he felt peace, indescribable peace, and it changed him forever. Kate goes on and says, his description matches something I read in the newspaper the other day that summarized the findings of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. That's a real thing. Thousands of people were interviewed about their brushes with death in every kind of situation. Car accident, giving birth, attempting suicide, etc. And many described the same odd thing. Love. I'm sure I would have ignored the article if it had not reminded me of something that happened to me. Something that I, felt com I didn't feel comfortable telling anyone. It seemed too odd and too simplistic to say what I knew to be true. That when I was sure I was going to die, I didn't feel angry. I felt loved. I always find Jesus' question in today's gospel interesting. Jesus had just talked about death. Jesus knows what's coming in the next couple of moments for him in the story. He knows that he is staring down death. And he says, what should I say? Father, save me from this? If there's somebody that could avoid suffering, it was Jesus. If there's someone who could avoid this situation, it is Jesus. What should I say? Father, save me from this? No. This is why I came. Jesus did not ask to be saved from death because Jesus knew that death was not the end. He knew that in God's world, strength is often found in weakness. He knew that in God's world, victory is often found in defeat. And in God's world, life is often born in death. And above all, he knew in that moment, in his darkest of moments, that he was not alone. And so as we journey these next few weeks together, 
next Sunday as we come together for this weird sensation of one moment, yelling, Hallelujah, blessed is the one, and in the next moment hearing people yell, crucify him. When we celebrate together, or remember together, Jesus' last dinner with his friends, when we remember together that Jesus died on a cross, and we remember that for that one Saturday, the world was dark and quiet and lonely. Remember that we are not alone. Because in Jesus' life and in Jesus' death and in Jesus' resurrection, he tells us that in the darkest moments of our lives, those moments of pain and sorrow, we are not alone. Amen.